are of God. And some of you got to get that on the inside. That's 1 John 5, 19. I'm a God. I'm a God. God created me, and because of Jesus, the evil one has no part in me. Now, when you look here, and we're, we're starting in Matthew 24, if you read the whole passage of Matthew 24, the title of most, most of Matthew 24 is Signs of the End Time. Now, you know, as human beings, this, this earth has gone on for so long that a, a lot of times we can't compute in our minds that this thing called earth is going to wrap up, guys. But when you read Jesus' words... Jesus wasn't bluffing about this, guys. Jesus spoke reality, and Jesus spoke truth. Now, what happens a lot of times with human beings, they don't like the truth. It's like Jack Nicholson said to Tom Cruise in the movie, you can't handle the truth. And here's the deal, and I've seen it, I've seen it for years as a pastor now, that there are times I can get over and I can speak the truth, and you know what people will do? They'll leave the church. They cannot handle the truth. And they don't like that. You know, there was one young man that was coming here, and he said, I quit going there because every time I went there, I got convicted. And he said, I didn't like it. I want to do the things I want to do. Well, here's the thing you got to understand. God is a God of love, and God saves, but God's also a just God. And so, so many times, we want the ice cream and the cake. And you know what that means? We want the, the, the knowledge or the heart that knows, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven but I want to do what I want to do. And we live in dangerous times, guys, when we get over that. Now, look with me in, in verse number 36 of Matthew 24. Let's begin there. And it says in Jesus' words, red letters, But of that day and that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven but my Father only. Now, the, the time he's talking about is the return of Jesus. And he says, look, no one knows that hour. Now, you know what I'm telling you Jesus is saying to us? He said, listen, don't even speculate. Don't go, no one, he goes, look right here, no one knows. And I think even in a certain way, he's saying, don't even listen to ones who speculate. Because it's going to just mess you up. Now it's interesting when Jesus breaks this down. If you'll notice in there he said. No one knows the day or the hour. But when you study the scriptures. You begin to see the signs of the end times. There will be things that will begin to warn us. Even one of the passages here, he gets over and he talks about the fig tree. When it begins to bloom. And so there's things that will show us or lead us right up. Not into the, the day or the hour, but the season. Now, just in saying that, keep reading. But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. They'll be. Now, right there, Jesus gives us an insight and he's saying, listen. If you want to begin to compare the second coming that I'm coming back just look at what took place in Noah's times, and it'll give you a good indication. So look what he says in verse 38. For as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And some of you would say, well, is there anything wrong with that? No. 
But what happens with this is what he's saying here is they got caught up in everyday life. They started just, their, their day was focused on, on eating and drinking and, hey, Mary, and let's just hang out, hang out, because you know what? This life is just going to keep going on. So what Jesus is doing here, he's warning us. Now, last week we were in Matthew 25, and when he talked about the ten virgins, he said this at the end. He said, be watchful. Be watchful. Be ready. Pay attention. Keep reading here, verse 40. Uh, Verse 39. And he did not know until the flood came, and they took them all away. So also will be the, the coming of the Son of Man. So also. Now, he uses that phrase right there twice. He said, so also. So in a roundabout way, you know what we can say? Things are going to be very similar because I believe Jesus right here is referencing the similarities between Noah's time and the end time. Now, in saying that, when you go back and look in Noah's time, the thing that caused God to destroy them with the flood was immorality, idolatry, and this was one that I began to look at the other day. It said the land was filled with robbery. I guess there's a bunch of thieves running around. Now, I mean, there's probably not a day that goes by even here in Lubbock if someone hadn't tried to rob a uh, 7-Eleven. My thought is, if you're going to rob something, go for the bank. Don't go for 7-Eleven. No, I'm just, not really. Don't do that, period. But just saying here, guys, you can begin to look at the similarities of what's going on in our time is what took place in theirs. And so what happens with sin as human beings, every one of us, think about this sin in your own life, in my own life, I can say, it began in my private life, where nobody knew about it. I didn't want anybody to know about it. But after a period of time, the the shame begins to wear off, and guess what happens? The sin has now become, it's just normal. And so you begin to see this in our society. And and we've talked about this now for for weeks and weeks and weeks. Things that were happening right now, you didn't see them happen 30 years ago. What's that a result of? Well, the shame of certain sin has now become the normal. I mean, we can be around certain things, and you know what? We don't even blink at it. We look, and you know what? We're callous to it. We look, and that ain't no thing. We see that every day. Well, this is some of the warnings he's talking about. Now, to review a little farther, go back with me to Revelations 18. We were there last week, and I apologize. Man, I got in a hurry, and I hope I didn't cause any confusion at all. Man, I got home last week, and I was so upset. I said, ah, Lord, I got to quit that. So I had to repent and say, man, I'll, I'll slow down. Slow me down sometimes, Lord. Some of you can say, yeah, you talk way too fast. Well... I realize that at times. I'm trying to slow down. Now, talking about this, Revelations 13, when you study it, it, it deals with the end times and it talks about the political events that will take place. Revelation 17 talks about the religion. When you get here into Revelations 18, where we're at, this is about world economics and commercialism. Now, I'm going to slow down. I'm just going to read a few verses in this because things are going to jump out here, here tonight. Verse 1, after these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, 
and the earth was illuminated with his glory. Now, the word, you know, there's several in there that may jump out to you, but one I want you to really highlight tonight is the word earth. He's telling us here, things are going to get crazy because of this great authority that's going to show up right here in this earth, okay? Now, look what happens, verse 2. And he cried mighty with a loud voice, saying, Babylon. Now, Babylon right here can, can represent a society that persecutes God's people. And this is what he's talking about. Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen. The message says, is ruined, is ruined, is ruined. And has become a dwelling place for who? Demons. A prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Now, when I read that, remember what we said in verse 1? The key word that I pointed out in verse 1 was earth. If you'll note that, guys, this is where this is going to take place at, okay? This is what's going to start happening in our nation, not in our, in our world. More and more and more. That's why what you're seeing is a result of some of this stuff. Verse 3. For all the nations, all of them, have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, to understand that a little more, I, I read some different translations. The New American Standard there says that it was a passion for immorality. You know what a passion is? They liked it. They liked being immoral. The next part he goes on to say there in verse 3, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. Now, the her there is talking about the world. All this evil's taking place. The New American Standard says here, acts of immorality. One was a passion for immorality. The other one he's talking about is acts of immorality. Keep going. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury, excessive luxuries. Man, do we ever live in a society where there's excessive luxury? I mean, it's incredible when you look at the different things that we can see. Now, here's a warning in verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Least you share in her sins, and least you receive of her plagues. Now, 2 Corinthians six seventeen says this. Be separate from the world. Come out from among the world. Right here, there's a warning to us that we're to come out from the world. And look what he says. My people. Ones that are born again. Now, when he says this here, guys... I can't leave this world physically. Me and you can't depart from here. I'm here. I'm a resident of this place called earth. So you know what he's telling us, I believe? He's saying, come out from among her with your heart. Come out from among her even with your behaviors. You know why he's telling us that? Because when you hang out with the world, you will act like the world. You want to see the progress here? Really look at this verse. And he said, come out of her, my people, least you what? 
least you share in her sins. You share in them. So once again, he's telling us, when you start mimicking or acting or hanging out with the world, you're going to share in them. And not only are you going to share in them, there's huge consequences for doing that. Look at the last part of verse 4. Least you receive of her plagues. He didn't say, least you receive of her blessings. He says plagues. Now, when you talk about plagues, guys, that's not a good thing. Actually, that's a miserable thing. And so there's a warning. First of all, he comes in and tells us all these things that are going to begin to really take place in our world. And so then he comes in and he basically says, there's a dividing line. What you going to do with it? Verse 5. For her sins have reached to heaven. Ooh, they've reached to heaven. And God has remembered her iniquities. Now, you know what that has all over it? That has judgment on it. When the sins of mankind reach heaven. When you talk about what happened in Noah's times, it said they became so immoral that they lost or they forfeited their right to exist. He's saying right here, once again, that when our sins get to heaven, he's going to remember it. Now, if you note something in verse 5, to start out there, right as it gets to verse 5, in my Bible, there's a little letter A. That's a cross-reference. You know where it cross-references back to? It cross-references back, and if you'll look in your Bible, it'll take you back to Genesis 18.20. You know where Genesis 18.20 takes you? To a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. The second place that God destroyed. The second place. So what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah in that verse of Genesis 18.20? The New King James says, their sin was very grave. The Amplified said, it was exceedingly grievous. This was what he was talking about in Sodom and Gomorrah. So we saw with Noah, ultimately, because their sin got so great, God destroyed it. With Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot, their sin got so great, he destroyed it. And so the reason I'm telling you this and harping on this, guys, ultimately the rebellion that humanity has toward God, God one day says, that's enough. That's enough. Now, my goal in here tonight is, is not to scare the, the H-E-L-L out of it. That's not my goal. I'm just going to teach you guys biblically here that we must become aware of this. And it's interesting that he specifically right here, he warns us as believers, come out from among that. Come out from among that. Now, to understand what he said there a little bit more, go to 1 Corinthians 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And as you're turning there, it's, it's interesting to me to look at what happened in Noah's time, what happened in Lot's time, and then look at the times we're living in and begin to compare them. Begin to compare them. Now, I've thought for several weeks, guys, I'm going to end this and I'm going to tell you, every week something else will come back up. Man, the Lord will stir me back up. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, don't, don't miss next week. We're going to do something incredibly significant here on a Wednesday night. 
I'm going to tell you, it, it'll touch your heart. You will leave refreshed, I promise you. There's some things even in Scripture we're going to see. But over and over, there's a warning. Over and over, there's a warning. Actually, last night, and some of you may have seen this, there's a Jewish rabbi that I caught last night. And he began to speak about the parallels with the end times and with the stuff that happened with Israel. And, and he began to share some things, guys, that he said that the, the shape that America's in right now, we're in a season of judgment. He said, actually, the judgment began on 9-11. He said that God put his, uh, he put his protection down from America because of all our sin and stuff. But he said something that really struck out to me, and this was for believers now, this verse will bear witness with you. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll heal their land. Now, you know what we can all do? We can come in here and we can pray until we don't have any more breath to pray. And this was the point he made. He said... If my people, now highlight that, the Christians of America. He said the big thing for us, guys, is to pray, but to repent and turn from our wicked ways. He said over and over, he referred back to what happened to Israel. He said not only did they not repent, and it got them, but you know what the bottom line is? We can repent, but part of repenting is turning from our evil ways, our wicked ways. And that's where, you know what? i got to judge my heart. i got to judge my life. And this is some of the stuff that's going on right now. 1 Corinthians 5, pick up with me here in verse, verse number 9. And as, as we're there, you, you got to understand when we read the things about the world, when you said the earth and over and over it said her, the, the, the world has become the devil's masterpiece. He, he brings all the things of the world and he uses those things and they're designed to capture mankind. To pull us away from the things of God. Anything he can do. What happens with people in our society right now? You ask them how they are and you know what? Most people respond one of two ways. I'm busy. Or I'm tired. I'm flat worn out. I'm working three jobs. How many of you ever said that? I've said that. I've caught myself saying, how are you, pal? Oh, I'm tired. Busy. Well, a lot of times we've got to look at this. Is it designed from the evil one to take us away from the things of God? Verse 9. Apostle Paul speaking. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company or to associate Closely or habitually with sexually immoral people. Now right here he's actually referring to immoral people who claim to be Christians. Uh-oh. Now we got to keep our, 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 our Christian uh, eyes open here, guys. we got to look at what the Scripture's saying here. And so when he said this here, my thought is this, that when you talk about sexually immoral stuff, in God's eyes, it's sin. Period. The thing is, each one of us has to do in here, we have to judge our hearts in this area by the Word of God. Not what mankind says, not what humanity says. 
Not what humanity says go. What did Father God say? Now, a lot of people, they don't want to judge their lives by the Word of God. You know why? Because when I judge my life by the Word of God, it's going to cause me to repent. It's going to cause me to look at what I'm doing and say, oh my gosh. Now, when I repent and I start judging my I'm going to tell you guys, there's a reverential fear falls on me. I'm going to tell you, fear of God comes on me now. And so, I encourage you, begin to look at this. Now, Paul right here is the writer, and immediately in the next verse, he guards against the misunderstanding. Look what he says next. Yet I certainly did not mean with these sexually immoral people of the world. So in other words, he's saying, I didn't mean for you not to associate with them. Now, wait a minute. Is he contradicting himself? Keep reading. Or with the covetous, or the extortioners, or the adulterers. Since then, you would need to go out of the world. Now, the message says there, I didn't mean that you should have nothing at all to do with immoral, greedy, cheats, or thieves. The Amplified says, since otherwise, you would need to get out of the world and human society altogether. So when he says here, you would have to get out of this world, you know what he's telling about again? You would have to relocate. I can't relocate once again. My my address is earth right now. I'm not going nowhere. I live here. I do business here every day. Now, even with what he said, we got to get back to Father God's heart. He said in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world. Our mission is the minister to the world. If I was to get out of the world, I couldn't minister to him. Actually, Jesus said in the Great Commission in Mark 16, 15, he said, go ye into all the world. And so, what do we do here? What's he talking about? Well, the question we must ask ourselves is this. To what extent do I associate with the world? To what, to what degree? Because every time I touch the world, I run the risk of being trapped by the world. So what extent? And see, I believe the scriptures can help us on that. We're called to be the salt and the, salt and the light of the world. So you know what? I'm going to be around the world. Here's an illustration I believe that will help you with that. Let's just say that you have a, a tremendous pain in your body. Man, you're hurting bad, and so you go to the doctor, and, and you tell him how bad you're hurting, and he says, listen, to help you ease the pain a little, I'm going to give you some morphine. Now, that morphine that he's given you, it starts out good. It was a good thing. But the next day you get up, and you take it. And before you go to bed, you take it. And then the next day you take it, and the next day you take it. And before long, you're repeatedly taking it day after day after day after day. And so you know what happens now? You become addicted. You become hooked. Where now, this, this morphine that started out as good or okay, has now started to dominate you. That's exactly what happens to us when we start... Hanging out with the world. You keep hanging out with the world in certain areas, 
and it's going to start reeling you in. I can look you in the eye and tell you, when I was 12 years old, I started digging into the world. I started hanging out with a bunch of guys that were older than me, but began to drink. And so guess what? The more I got around that, the more it started reeling me in. And this is how sin operates. It's real subtle. But the goal of sin always is to captivate. It's to capture you. It's ultimately to dominate you. And so right here, this is what he's telling us. You can't afford to be in positions where sin begins to dominate you and take over. Will that happen? Absolutely. I remember my brother used to sit, tell me over, you run with the snakes, you're going to get bit. You want to see your future? Just look at who you're running with right now. Some of you got real nervous and said, oh my gosh. Some of you said, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And so even in my own life, guys, there were years after I got born again that, that I had to sever my relationship with the, the, the people of the world. My old buddies, as much as I loved them. There were some of those guys, I, I went to elementary, I played ball with them all the way through high school. Do you know what? I realized they're full of the world. I cut the relation, I cut the biblical cord, and biblical cord with them. I said, that's it. And then I quit going around those things, guys. I had to, I knew. And so that's the same with each one of us with sin on our life. And that's where I've got to come back and judge and say, okay, God is causing me to go to higher levels. To higher degrees with my walk with Him. I can't get where I'm satisfied. And the last thing I can do, guys, is act like I can hang out with the world. And they dominate me. Now, there'll come a day, I believe, you can get around them. You can walk right into them. I'm going to tell you right now, guys, I, I, could, I could walk into any nightclub in here right now. They could offer me free drinks the whole night. And you know what I'd do? I'd laugh now. You know why? I ain't going back to that. I've been there. I've been there, guys. You know what that did? That caused pain. That stole. I'm telling you, guys. You think of all the money I spent on all that stuff. What are you talking about? Stuff, Pastor. Alcohol, drugs. You did drugs. Guys, we smoked so much dope growing up. I don't have a problem telling you that. But there's no strong, there's no dominance on that in me, in me anymore. None of that. Because of Jesus. And so what dominates you right now, you got to begin to look and say, okay, what do I do here, Lord Jesus? How can I get to a place in my life where I'm not contaminated? Look back to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. See, you think about this, guys. We started several weeks ago there in 1 John 2. And it said the makeup of the world was the lust of the eyes, the lust of our flesh, and the pride of life. Every one of those are designed to captivate you. Every one of those are designed to dominate you. I'm going to tell you guys right now, men, the devil will attack your eyes. He'll go after it, there's no doubt. He'll try to dominate your eyes. Each one of us can see certain things in our life where he's tried to, well, that's where i got to begin to say, okay, Lord. This will help you right here, this passage. Luke 10, and we were there last week. I want to get into it one more time. Verse 38. 
Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed in her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. You know what the message says right there about hearing his word? It said that she, hang, she was hanging on to every word. She was grasping every word that he said. Verse 39 or verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, I want you to notice something here. She was distracted with much serving. Was serving a sin? No, it wasn't a sin. But think about this, that her serving began to dominate her. But her serving began to pull her away from the things of God. And you know what? Each one of us, we can get so busy in life serving that we can miss out on the things that God has for us. And I'm going to tell you, when I get over that, he'll steal. The devil will steal. Keep reading. Verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried, you're anxious, and you're troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. And that good part was found back there in verse 39, that she took time to sit at Jesus' feet and heard the word. So, what he's telling, he's saying, Mary figured out it's an inner deal. It's a heart matter. Martha, you're still dominated by the outer, the things of the flesh. And for each one of us in here, every one of us in here, either our inner man or our outer man is going to begin to dominate. One of the two is going to dominate. And when it's your outer man... I'm going to tell you, you're going to suffer on the inside. And it's interesting to me that he specifically said, and Mary has chosen the good part. Mary has chosen the good part. You know what he's telling us right there? This became priority with Mary. This became priority. Let me ask you this right here tonight. What's become priority with you? Do I put him first? Because if I don't put him first, guys... I'm going to tell you, the, the, the world, you're, you're running a risk that the world's going to pull you in. It's going to take you. Is it too late? No. Man, it's never too late to turn to God and start saying, All right, Lord, I'm going to live here. I'm going to come under the blood of Jesus. But you know what you're going to have to do on a daily basis? You're going to have to live out Ephesians 6.10. You know what that says? Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Verse 11 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this age. Actually, verse 11 talks about that, that he tries to ambush us. The tricks and the wiles of the devil. He's out to ambush you every day. And remember what we talked about a few weeks ago? The devil's ambushes aren't big things. Think about what he did with Adam and Eve. It wasn't a big thing. It was a piece of fruit. It's those little foxes that spoil the vine. Even in Martha's life, guys, it wasn't something big, I don't believe. It was that she didn't make priority of hanging out with Jesus on a daily basis. Now think about this. Each one of us in this room, as, as physical people right now on this earth, we like to eat. And I don't know, I like to eat. 
And we set specific times to eat. And you guys get up in the morning. You're going to eat. What do we do? We eat. And about 10, 15, you've, you've programmed your body where you say, I need a snack. And about noon, that bell goes off and you say, it's time to eat. And then some of you, about 3.15, you say, I need a snack. And then again in the evening. And then before you go to bed, that thing called ice cream starts really tugging at you. And you feel it pulling. And so what am I saying? We make priorities for our flesh. We set up certain times through the day. And you know, sometimes when we miss those meals, we get real cranky. Hadn't eaten in two hours. Why are you saying that? Well, you're going to hear me quote Smith Wigglesworth. He said, we feed our our natural man three hot meals a day, and we feed our spirit man one cold snack a week, and we wonder why we're starving spiritually. We wonder why we're dominated by the flesh. We wonder why we're captivated by all these things. We're captured. I'm tell you, it comes back to priority. And even in my own life, I can tell the days when I hadn't hung out with Jesus like I needed to. That's why i got to make it priority. i got to get into the Word. And then you guys got to take the Word and begin to look at the Word and say, Okay, Lord, I'm going to judge my life by the Word. And you start judging your life by the Word, you know what your flesh is going to do? It's going to freak out. It's going to cry. It's going to whine. And you say, "Huh? this is what the Word of God said. That's why Mary hung on to every word that he said, that she realized, my life has to follow the word. Stand up with me. I don't know if that helped you, God.